Anyway, here comes Stefan Sessignon now. He's striding forward. He's going to shoot. And yes. he scored. Stefan Sessignon from outside the area. Robert Green embarrassed again. Can he get a shot? He can. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Bill Badley picked that one out. And it's in. It's down. It's a goal. Oh, what a screamer. All right, everyone. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Rooker Report podcast. We are here. We made it. That's the kind of excitement I'm looking for <laughs> from Chris Weatherspoon. Hello. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? Very good. Been a, Very good indeed. It's been an interesting month. It has. April has been surprisingly good. It's not over yet either. It's virtually over. Well, we've got one more game. Yeah. One, one more win. Hopefully, yes. Um, and Michael Graham's here as ever, as if you've missed the hundredth. As if I'd miss it. I've been here for pretty much all of... 98 of them or something. Well, actually, 99, because we had that one that we lost. Yeah, kind of 100 last week. That was only me and you on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Never saw the light of day. Which is probably for the best, because it was fairly shit. We just spent it off, uh, spent it all slagging off you, Chris. Ah, fair enough. I never listen to it. Whatever you like. Right, well, we were going to usually start with uh, big three points. We have a guest for the 100th show, uh, a local journalist who everybody probably knows. If you don't, what the fuck have you been doing with yourself? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's Mark Douglas. So I'm going to dial him up now and we'll get him on the line to talk about Paolo Di Canio, Martin O'Neill, Sunderland, all that sort of carry on. So April's been quite a month for Sunderland. The, the sort of the, from going from the dying embers of the Martin O'Neill era to the Paolo Di Canio firebrand start to things. What's it been like from your side of things, like the way it died off and the way it's all kicked off now? Well, I think um, I think the the, uh, the, the, the the situation of Sunderland really this season has been that it's it's almost been um, it's almost been a non-story really until uh, until the last couple of months. It's been so. Um, it's been so sort of uh, you know, attritional really over the course of the season. There's been there's been uh, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks that have gone by where Sunderland have been picking up you know the odd point in in three. Uh, Martin O'Neill was uh, was becoming increasingly sort of intransigent in the things that he was saying. We were getting very little sort of uh, insight from him really. It was uh, it was becoming a it was becoming a, a tough club to to cover really. We were having. Um, the same players were really coming out, and, and really all they could say was the same things. It was, you know, there was a real, uh, a real lack of kind of stories coming from Sunderland, and, and that was, you know, partially really down to the fact that there wasn't a lot to say about um, about the results. And and suddenly, about three or four weeks ago, it just all suddenly was turned on its head, and it's been fascinating and really, uh, really refreshing to cover. Uh, the first weeks of Palo de Canio. Obviously, the first week was um, the first week was highly controversial. Personally, I thought that um, at times it did feel like that story um, was taken possibly beyond the logical extreme that it should have been. You know, it was a story about um, Paolo Di Canio's personal personal beliefs. It was I, I didn't find it particularly edifying to cover. But then the last three weeks have been uh, have been phenomenal, really, just in terms of of what Di Canio said, the results that he's got, and the energy that he's breathed into the whole the whole club. It's been uh, it's it's been terrific, really, and. And you know you you felt very much like that like it's a club again that has its mojo back if you will and uh, and and you know I think they've gone from being really a, a club that um, where well, there's not been a lot to say about them to to uh, 
you know a constant stream of stories. It's been uh, it's, it's been really 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 good, and uh, and and I'm just delighted that we're, we're beyond the kind of uh, the, the very uh, the tough weeks really at the start of the season when it did feel like you know you go in to see Martin O'Neill and really he'd be telling you the same thing, and 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 occasionally you'd feel like it really was he was insulting your intelligence a little bit, telling you that the team were playing well when they when it was clear that they weren't. Um, and uh, you don't feel like you're, you're going to get anything but um, flannel from from Paolo, I think. I think as well, um, like despite the the poor results under O'Neill, it did catch a lot of people by surprise. I mean, were you surprised as anybody oh, yeah. else? Uh, completely, yeah. I, I didn't. I mean, we, I'd gone to speak to Margaret Byrne about three weeks before, and she'd be full of praise for Martin, saying that he was he was the club's man. He was the only person going forward. Um, O'Neill himself was very much giving the very much giving the, uh, the, the the impression that he was under absolutely no uh, pressure whatsoever. In fact, I think the two weeks before he went, when he when he gave a press conference where he said that the club had very very little uh, true ability, I thought it was an attempt by him to flex his muscles a little bit and force Ellis Short's hand because he kind of knew, he kind of felt in a way that he wasn't under pressure with the supporters, wasn't under pressure with the, with the board. Um, there were none of the signs that you get from clubs that there's, there's that kind of friction internally, um, and of course I think the fact that Martin didn't re- doesn't really have a lot of people that he kind of trusts in the media, a lot of people he doesn't talk to really. Um, we, we certainly didn't get any any impressions of those frictions. I think it was kind of in a way just a sign that um, you know that Ellis Short um, is is incredibly ruthless. I think he saw the way that it was going, um, and possibly he maybe took the decision before a lot of a lot of us would have done. I mean I would probably have done it when he did. Um, I maybe would have kind of looked, looked a bit earlier in the season when things didn't seem to be going right, and and possibly I would have even done it at all, to be honest. Um, but uh, it turned out to be the right decision, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, completely, completely. I think it was one of the most surprising managerial decisions of the five years that I've been here, and I've seen some pretty crazy things, including joking in it, taking the Newcastle job. So uh, yeah, it says something. But it probably was the most surprising uh, managerial change that I've seen in the five years. That 24 hours was just absolutely crazy. From O'Neill going to Ticanio being in, such a quick turnaround. I mean, that was par- partly one of the big biggest surprises of it. Really, that it seemed as though, from the outside, as though it might have been something that had been worked on for a while. Do you, do you get that impression at all? Yeah, I think um, I, I, I think the, the, the fact is with somebody like um, somebody like Ellis, he's probably um, he's probably taken a look at maybe what happened to Wolves at the end of last season uh, and decided that you know if, if he wanted to make a decision, he had to make it quickly. Um, it was a criticism at the time that there was there's not a lot of people with maybe football experience on the board in terms of that. That sounds a bit um, that sounds a bit harsh, but obviously uh, they've all been involved in football for the last you know five to six years. But th- before then, there had been. Uh, Niall Quinn, who made sure that the transfer from Steve Bruce to Niall Quinn, uh, sorry, to, uh, to Martin O'Neill went very, very smoothly. And I think you saw there, it was the way that the club handled that was pretty much exemplary. Um, I was surprised that he was able to do it quite so under the radar as he did. Part of the Canio obviously has people that he knows. Um, he, uh, but, but my understanding is that he actually did all of the negotiation on his own. Paolo, which I found quite um, quite, quite interesting, really, because there's, there's been the tales from Swindon that he had an agent who was uh, who was the head of recruitment there, which was um, you know. So I would have thought that somebody somewhere would have known something about it, but I think it was being worked on. Maybe not, maybe not for for, for, for a long time before um, before uh, before the decision was actually made, but probably about a week to two weeks. I think the decision 
by Martin O'Neill to try and flex his muscles and say uh, and say that the, the squad had very little quality, I think made up Ellis Short's mind. I think that he decided there, this isn't going to work because this is a man who's going to come to me in the summer again and ask for more money, and I'm not convinced by what he's doing. Um, but uh, but, Ellis, but Ellis works in in in, in the shadows. I've um, him three or four times and always been really impressed by him. Always been a bit disappointed really that he doesn't do more. Uh, more stuff on the record because he's actually a really funny and you know very interesting guy. Um, but he works on the shadows, and I think that, that that we saw that from this decision. It was in some ways it caught a lot of us by surprise because we don't have those links to Ellis Short, and Ellis has made that deliberate. I don't think he wants those links with any journalists. So um, so it does make the club slightly challenging to cover, and probably explains a lot of what happened. Um, in the immediate aftermath of the Decanio decision. Um, but ultimately, you know, he's the one at the moment who looks as if he's made the right decision. What's uh, Mr Decanio like in the kind of press room and everything like that, as, like as a person and things like that? What would you, what are your impressions of him as a man? Yeah, um, I, I just like interesting people, really. I like uh, I like the, the, the press conferences where you go there and you don't necessarily know what line you're going to get. You, you can kind of ask somebody a question and they're going to take it on. And I just find Decanio a really interesting guy because I think he's intelligent, which... Which uh, which is good. I think most of the, most of the managers that I've dealt with down the line have, have been, been intelligent, but they haven't always been keen to sort of engage with the questions that you ask. And I think that obviously at the moment most of the questions are about football, um, and we're sort of staying off other things. But I think it will be similar to Roy Keane, and he's got an opinion on on, some, on something, and he will not be afraid to sort of talk to you about it. Um, so at the moment, I'm just kind of enjoying and and and, and really kind of relishing going and speaking. Having said that, when uh, when you listen back to the tapes sort of 20% of what he says is pretty unintelligible and you're really not sure what he <laughs> means by it. Uh, but, but it's the fact that the, the other 80% is fantastic and uh, I think you've probably seen uh, when you look at some of the the, um, the quotes that have been written up in the papers, uh, there's usually a fair amount of deciphering that goes into that and we've, we've started to normally we, we, we go and one person will say, I'll put their hand up and I'll say, I'll do the transcription. At the moment, we're sort of chopping it up into 10-minute bites because uh, it'd be too, uh, it'd be a cruel and unusual punishment, I think, to ask anybody to <laughs> sit there and wait through 80 minutes of the cameo because it's not, he talks quickly and uh, it's not always clear what he's, uh, what the point that he's getting at. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm finding it really interesting and, uh, you know, I'm enjoying, uh, I'm enjoying covering the club at the moment because, you know, they are fantastic to cover and, and he's just a character. Um, and I think you know at the moment in, in particular, it's just it's it's just a really good story to cover. As well, as well, he's he's done some obviously the results so far have been nothing short of fantastic, really. Yeah. Um, barring the sort of expected defeat at Chelsea, but even that was an improved performance. Mm. I mean, what what have you made of the the complete turnaround and the way he's managed to inspire a a very uninspired looking squad? Into, into yeah, what I we're think, um, now. I think, yeah, I think, um, I think it's quite interesting because uh, we always look at look at um, managers and sort of say, well, what has he done? And um, you know, I think we always try and kind of say, look, there must be some kind of secret, if you will, there must be some kind of magic formula that he's doing. Actually, what it seems to me like he's doing is he's got a he's got a pretty functional team working to their strengths, which is hard work. Um, they're well organised. And finally, they're actually, they actually seem to have a bit of confidence in themselves. And I think the secret is really no more than hard work. Um, which is, which is, which is really, uh, it's really surprising um, that, that, that they weren't working under Martin. But I think that they were, they'd, uh, you know, they, they were so timid. I don't think he was putting the, the, the kind of work in on the training pitch that, um, that, that, that Paolo is, 
that's the simple that's the simple difference. I don't think he's doing anything um absolutely out of the ordinary at the moment. I think he's it's sort of quite a traditional way that he's that he's that he's it's you know, it's it's a the formation and the system is quite um is quite orthodox in some ways. You know, it, 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 I mean he's very smart and he's obviously picking up on the weaknesses of other teams, but he's working with other another manager's players. So he's keeping things very simple, which is what you kind of saw Fabio Capello do um, with England, I think. He, he, he turned them into a really well-drilled and well-organised team that worked well and played to their strength. And I think that's what the Canio is doing at the moment. The really interesting thing is going to be, and this is why I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite excited about the future looking forward to Canio, there's so many questions. As soon as they for safety, there's so many questions for the Canio to answer. What's he going to do about recruitment? How is he going to turn this into his team? What is the power of the Canio Premier League team? Because at the moment we're seeing what Arthur Canio does when he inhabits the other, um, you know, somebody else's players. But what is a power the Canio Premier League player? Is he, you know, is he going to look at the same kind of targets that O'Neill was looking at? Is he going to, is he going to go abroad? Is he going to do stuff in the Premier League? It's going to be really interesting because, you know, as I said at the moment, they're quite, still quite functional. Um, they're working really hard and I think that's what's, that's a big difference. That's, that, uh, and, and they're committing themselves. Uh, in attack, which is what they weren't doing under Martin, but um, but I think probably it'll be a different team next year. I don't think the same the same way of playing or the same personnel next year. I think it'll be it'll be complete, and um, and I think um, I think Canio will be probably be a little bit more ambitious than even than uh, than than, uh, than some of them have been so far. Kind of leads nicely on to the next question, really, which was going to ask about you know what what we might expect in the summer. Has there been any clues? At all, do you think about the kind of player he wants to bring in, the kind of mentality of player, or the kind of even just positionally, really? Yeah, well, I mean, the really interesting thing is that um, that, that you know I, I, I'm I'm interested in uh, in what happens with Pop Robson over the summer because um, Pop was obviously brought in um, while um, you know while Martin was there. You know, I never really got the impression that, um, that, that 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 Martin was entirely sold by Pop. He was obviously brought in under Steve Bruce. I never got the impression that that was that, that was a kind of you know that, that a lot of the signings were were necessarily pops. Um, I never I never knew where the delineation was, where which were um, Martin signings and which were the ones that where Pop was putting the um, suggestions in. I think that possibly he's been a little bit he was a bit sidelined under uh, Martin O'Neill. Now where do Sunderland go in the summer? Does De Canio stick with Pop? You know, is, is maybe going to be um, a situation where he looks to bring in his own recruitment team? That's the interesting thing, and I think that you know, I mean, a lot of the names, a couple of the names over the over the weekend that I saw um, mentioned were were people that uh, Pop Robson was looking at on behalf of Martin O'Neill. Now, will Canio go down that route? I don't think he will. I I have a feeling that he'll he'll look. I think he'll look uh, a midfield creator, and I think he'll look for another striker. Um, despite the fact that Danny Graham's done really well, I think that that's another player. I think that's another issue that he'll have to look at. Will he persevere with Danny Graham? Will he decide to? To, to stick with Danny Graham, because I think that um, I think there will be changes, uh, you know, for, from a striker perspective. I think we will bring at least one, maybe two, uh, and I think it'll look from midfielder. But I think he wants he wants creative players. I mean, what we saw at Swindon, I was kind of doing a bit of research before Danny came in about what he had at Swindon, um, and it was interesting what people were kind of saying to me that, that obviously they were quite functional teams, Swindon. They 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 worked really hard. They were kind of similar to what he's got here at Sunderland, but few people were telling me, you know, the, the, the opportunity to, to, you know, to scout in and players who might want to come to the Premier League will be one that he'll take and he'll probably probably try and move Sunderland on a little bit and, and maybe look to, 
to bring in a creative player. But um, uh, but at, at the moment, in terms of actual names, nothing. Because I think he's um, a lot of the players that he'll be looking at. A lot of the players that and the, the recruitment side uh, is really is really a big a big question mark over that because. Um, you know, Pop Robson's role has uh, has been uh, has been up for question, I think, for the last year or so. Do you think um, there'll be something going on with the the kind of director of football sort of thing that's been talked about? Yeah, I, I, that was my understanding uh, originally. Was that uh, was that they were going to look to do something like that? I think that um, I'd I'd been told that Ellis Shaw had looked at the model at West Brom in particular and and uh, and been uh, quite a fan of that. Um, but then when Decanio came in, the first one of the first things he said in that first week was that. Um, it was his kind of decision to be first team coach, and uh, he didn't really want. Uh, he didn't really. He wasn't bothered about manager, and it, it, there was nothing else in it. Um, I think it'd be really interesting because the Canio, what the Canio has earned himself with these first uh, with these first three weeks is is a lot more power in terms of what he does in the summer. You know, I think um, you know basically um, Ellis Short will own one in, in some ways in the summer, and uh, and and it will him what he does but I think he I think there will be some movement there I think there will be a restructuring of things um, Ellis kind of watched under Steve Bruce and now under Martin O'Neill as well managers have quite a lot of power and he's not been massively impressed with, with what either of them have kind of uh, delivered really in, in, in the in the grand scheme of things so I think he wants to get a bit more power back he wants to he wants to have a uh, you know a few voices kind of uh, to you know putting into that uh, into that recruitment and, and into a few other key decisions and, and he didn't see that under Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill was one of the last kind of dictator managers in some ways. He had the final say in a lot of things, and uh, you know he got a lot of those calls wrong. We've got to say now. I think that Short's kind of learned from those, uh, learned from those mistakes, and I think that he will certainly be bolstering the structure around the club at least. I think maybe not a director of football in name, but maybe some movement round recruitment, and maybe some movement round um, somebody else coming in um, because it's quite a small, it's quite a. Uh, quite a small staff there if you, if you look at it now. They've actually really only got Pop Robson, um, Mags Byrne and, and Ellis are really the only three that I can, that I can really think of that are, that are quite, uh, quite key there. He might look at bringing somebody in there. That, that's what I've heard. Um, and it'd be really interesting to see who they decide to bring in because that's a very sort of specific role. Um, and, uh, you know, really they'll probably be looking at bringing somebody in from outside, but Paolo's going to have to get on with them, isn't he? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, he's not, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to be the person who's brought in over Paolo to his head. So I think that one will be, uh, that one will be inviting trouble. Chris, Mike, you got any questions for Mark? Yeah, I mean, a whiff like O'Neill, did you ever, like, feel right at the end there that he just kind of, like, he had stopped having any kind of, like, faith in himself? I thought he always seemed really, really down to me. Was that the way that he, he seemed when he was like talking to you and like answering and things? Yeah, it was really interesting because in the uh, in the summer we went, um, we were kind of invited. Uh, we were invited to Romano's uh, for for a kind of end of season meal. It was almost to kind of get to know him a little bit better. And I remember sat around and it was. I mean, he's he's a, he's a really uh, he's a really sort of genuine fellow, really intelligent and kind of engaging company actually but, uh, but he, we kind of said oh yeah thanks thanks for doing this martin it's you know it, it is nice to kind of get to know somebody on a more human level and the thing that he turned around and said was oh yeah it won't buy me any time when i'm under pressure next year and it was like it was a really <laughs> bizarre thing to say because you know obviously he was doing really well um at the time and things were going well but i think it was just quite self de- self-deprecating really i don't think there was any kind of you know i don't think there was i think that was his, in his nature and it kind of worked um, when things were going well because of that, oh, well, he's just being self-deprecating. But when things didn't work, 
it did feel like he'd lost that he'd lost that kind of energy. Mm. Um, I, I just I don't know. I just felt that, uh, towards the end that they were you know I'd heard the players had a lot of days off. It got a bit ragged. It got a bit loose. You know I mean uh, I I'd, I'd sort of been told you know some some days you weren't seeing Martin O'Neill in the training camp until maybe the Wednesday um, of the week. And I don't, I'm sure about that. I just I just don't think you know any. Um, you know, you're giving you're giving yourself the opportunity really to work on things there, and I think that was the biggest that was the biggest thing, and that really ties in the idea that maybe that was okay two three years ago, but you've got a new breed of Premier League coaches like um, you know Andre Villas Boas and uh, and Decanio himself as well, who who seem to sort of spend every hour. Um, every hour under the sun, working, uh, working towards trying to make things better, and I just got the impression with O'Neill that he just that just wasn't his way. But uh, he was quite self-deprecating, really, and I, I think you know a lot of was made of that he, he, he lost his mojo and he didn't seem to have that belief in himself anymore. Um, and we were kind of waiting for the rallying speech and the big rallying cry, um, and it never came. I mean, one of my colleagues wrote a, wrote a quite a scathing piece about him um, in the journal, not scathing, but it was a it was a really fair and balanced piece, in my opinion. But um, we were kind of waiting to see what comeback it got from Martin O'Neill, and he never said anything. And we were really surprised about that because we were all anticipating that he would, you know, he would be really unhappy about it, and he, he didn't say anything. And and you did feel a little bit at that point that you know maybe he's kind of got either bigger fish to fry, or he kind of, you know, he's not not lost it. That's that's not fair. That wasn't fair uh, in any way to say, but it just felt like maybe. You know that fire in his belly had, had kind of been um, had, had kind of been quelled a little bit by by the fact that he maybe hadn't got the players that he wanted to in the summer, and uh, and he maybe did some of the job was just a little bit bigger than he thought it was at, at some point. And you know he was talking about doing things in the long term. It's it striking them right for me. And uh, um, you know you, sometimes you, you, you need you need you know you need to find that within yourself. And it didn't feel that it was coming from Martin. Um, we were all kind of waiting for something. We all thought that he must have a plan at some point, but it didn't it didn't emerge, and he never got the chance to emerge because obviously things weren't uh, mm. things weren't things weren't going uh, well. Just um, one, I know it's it's hard to say based on what like three weeks of the Canio book. Do you think if the players were to kind of turn that way against the Canio, do you think he got it about him to kind of you know stem the tide or? Do you, do you think it would be one of those situations where the club should look to kind of really make the changes on the field? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just, I only caught a little bit of that. You just cut out there. I think were you sort of saying that he'll will he be able to to make the changes when if if things start to sort of tail off a little bit? Was that was that the, the yeah the yeah pretty much just like how I mean under Bruce by the end I think it was kind of commonly acknowledged that the dressing he kind of lost the dressing room and I think people are kind mm. of coming around to that idea with O'Neill. Oh, from what you've seen and heard from Decanio so far, do you think that'll even get a chance to happen, or do you think you'll be preemptive yeah. about it? I think that I think that's the, that's the other big that's one of the other big questions is you know obviously things have been uh, things have been very uh, things, things have been massively positive so far. It's uh, you know and and he's managed to create this momentum, but um, but how does you know how does he go about challenging um, you know because these players tendency as this off it's been two times when uh, under Bruce and under O'Neill they they you know, they've sort of uh, you know made for a terminal sort of tailspin. Um from the early days I just I think that uh, I think that Canio will just make changes. I think that he'll you know he he will have sat there and assessed which players uh, which players he can work with, which ones he can't. Um and uh, and I think that his his key is he just needs a different kind of character. He needs he needs other players in there, players who are gonna who are going to, uh, who are going to, you know, maybe guys like Lee Catamore who, who can find something within themselves. I think at the moment in, in the Sunderland team, there's probably one, two, one or two players there who, um, you know, who, who, who don't, who don't need an excuse to, to hide. 
basically. And I think that's that's happened under O'Neill. It happened under Bruce. Um, uh, some of those players are now, but it happened under it happened under O'Neill. And, and I think the key will be, you know, the, the Canning will just have to change the change the makeup of the squad. Um, because I think it's inevitable that these players, although they're doing well at the moment, I don't think you'll, you'll see these performances from these players consistently because I just don't think that you know, there's been anything to suggest that they're going to be capable of doing that over um, over 40, you know 40 games or, or however long it is. You know they're just not going to be able to do that because you, you can you can come in and, and you know encourage them to to uh, to do what they're doing, but at some point it's going to at some point they're going to need something else and they're going to need a bit of inspiration. Will the cameo do? He's making all the right noises, you know. He's making all the right noises, but inevitably in football, you're going to go through a rough patch. All right. Well, thanks, Mark Douglas, for your uh, contribution to the the hundredth Rugger Report podcast. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at MSI Douglas, and obviously read in in the journal and other places in the northeast. You're probably wondering why this might sound a little different. Um, that's because Chris isn't here anymore. He's not dead. I don't mean that, but uh, he's, he's he's not here as we are now re-recording a bit due to some shitty technical errors that have besieged about 85 of the 100 podcasts. <laughs> um, however, there is there is news to follow on on the on that, um, which we'll come to later. We'll tease that later. Keep you listening for a very very big announcement on the podcast um so it's just me and mike left yeah um as it usually is yep we'll uh we'll try and recreate <laughs> some of the magic from chris um i mean there was all sorts there was accusing one central midfield player of being gay um yeah one yeah, hang, on, hang, on, hang on a minute that was you no i suggest <laughs> i was suggesting he, he had a very good game and it was the, it was about time the world took notice of him. Yeah, those were, were those weren't the words that you used. Well, not quite. But <laughs> we'll soon we'll show up see if I use them again. Uh, there was a suggestion that someone else should start taking drugs. Yeah, it was it was a wild. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll let you know when those bits are. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll move on to Everton though. Look back at Everton, one uh, nil win. Um, two games in a row now. We've defeated two of our most difficult obstacles. That's that's different. It's change. <laughs> yeah, it um, feels a little bit new. Like you know, a really, a really like woke up thinking. So this this is what it feels like to support a team who can beat Everton. Hmm. It's the first time that team that's quite good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. It was a nice feeling. Exactly. Um... So, yeah, that was a. It was a. It wasn't as obviously nothing was going to top the Newcastle game, regardless really of what happened against Everton. But it was a very good, a, di- a different performance, a, a steelier performance due to the obviously much higher rise in quality of opposition mm. than we faced against Newcastle. Yeah, it was. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, very much enjoyed it. For all different reasons, um, certainly Alfred and I, mm. who possibly enjoyed a coming out party, <laughs> <laughs> which was to say he came out to no, hang on, <laughs> everyone started to notice how good he is. He came of age. We went through this last time. 
<laughs> he came yeah. of age. He didn't come out. He came of age. That's what that's the phrase that people use, though. They're <laughs> <laughs> not literally, you know. <laughs> Even if he is, so what? Would you deny that, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting involved in that. <laughs> But no, I, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that it was the first time versus these lot that we've actually had someone willing to stand up, like in the midfield and say, you know, I'm not going to let you have it all your, like, own way. He was an absolute giant in there. He was. Um, took took Fellaini out of the game entirely. He did. I mean, I, I think it was, you know, it was like, uh, it was, he didn't do much himself. You know, uh, but the fact that he took him out of the game completely, it was just a huge, huge factor, like in the win. Another, well, probably the the, the most talked about moment was the back pass of sorts <laughs> from uh, Seb Larson, who uh, he just was constantly denied scoring at that at the in the south uh, towards the south sand <laughs> a string of good free kicks in the first half where you know I haven't seen him produce that consistent quality for a while and he just thinks fuck it I'm going to leather one at Mignolet <laughs> force him into a save <laughs> well Mick might have been bored to be honest with you he wasn't exactly yeah. like overworked was he I think it was the like only time they had to make a real save yeah, I think the Jelovic chance was after that, wasn't it? Yeah, and he was, and offside, was offside anyway, so... But the uh, offside wasn't given, so... Uh, that's a good point. I didn't actually notice that. I just, like, assumed that it was No, it was, a, it was a bit of a worry when he kind of bowled it around in his legs, and I'm not sure... It was one of the ones where I'm like, is that a good save, or did he bobble <laughs> it and nearly cost us? <laughs> but... Uh, but no, it was, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a strange moment. And as you've pointed out everybody not ascending off not specifically not yeah yeah it's, it's actually says <laughs> not for goalkeepers mm. in the rules yeah and the people that say denying of a goal scoring chance it, it wasn't <laughs> it denied a goal yeah, which he's there to do he's actually paid yeah. good money to stop people from scoring goals it wasn't like there was an Everton player running onto it and Mignolet yeah, pipped him exactly it. yeah that would have been Mm. Possibly. Yeah, but still not a, a, like red card. Yeah. And do you know what? There's something I forgot to mention in the in the first record was um, I do love a a goal line stand from an indirect free kick in the box. Uh, Almost as much as a contested drop ball. Oh, well, actually, Alfie, did you notice he never flinched? He just stood well, there what, like a well, absolute, that was, absolute brick wall. But that's what you need. People uh, treat them as normal free kicks, mm. and they kind of jump in the wall and that. But what you need to do is just stand uh, there and take it. <laughs> take it like a man. Take it like a man. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> actually, the roar from them. Every time like the ball was actually stopped, oh, the roar oh, yeah. just got louder and louder and louder. It was just, it was just one of the. It was just for like me one of the great soul uh, like moments really. I mean, and, and actually I have to say that the whole the whole feel of it it just felt like the like the soul's greatest days. You know how when it like uh, when it like Late first 90s, opened, early yeah, 97 was mm, a good season. And there were just huge roars and 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 not just that the noise there was a kind of like a buzz there too. You know that's mm. that's what it was like, and it's not just because 
oh, we beat the mags. I don't, I don't think you can just put it down like to that. I think it was just because people have really uh, uh, sort of like bought in to what we're actually doing now. Mm, there's a different energy, isn't there? There is. There is. Like you say, we've, we've seen the players buy into it and the fans are as well. Great Without to see. Any question. Great. So, so yep, that's evident. Um, we'll look ahead to Aston Villa on Monday. A win should, won't say it's mathematically safe, but no. almost unquestionably yeah. in reality. A draw will do, I think. A draw keeps them below us. Mm. Well, even if um, even if they win, they can't go higher than us. Well, that's true. So, but um, a draw effectively keeps them four points behind with three games left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's going to be and one of those is against the like other team actually fighting for it. So um, I think if we can get uh, if we can hold them. Um, at least I don't think that it means that both Wigan and Villa are going to get higher than us. Who've Wigan got that weekend? Wigan weekend? Are, are, are home to Spurs, I think. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. I want them to keep staying neck and neck for the last game of the season. <laughs> it would, if, it's winner, well, if it's winner stays up, that would be fantastic. It would be, wouldn't it? To be honest, it's just nice to be able to... to Reverts to think about it's going to be nice to watch like other teams scrap for it mm. because you was you was every week you were you were starting to think more along the lines of shit we're going to be involved and, and now it was yeah and now you're just kind of like thinking you know I'm, if if this goes to the last day I'll be amazed for like for like three. us anyway oh yeah definitely I will as well it's only three but it's only what three four weeks removed from being kept out the bottom three on goal difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how fine that's how fine the margins have been, but also how much we've improved. I mean now we I think we can realistically look upwards now. I don't think that we need to really look down. No, I'm gonna keep looking down just in case. Until <laughs> until we've got forty points on the board. Hmm. I'm not gonna be a hundred percent satisfied. I th- I think that we can so. look towards, you know, maybe forty four points for the uh, like this. You could season. do, yeah. Which we other? could end up finishing what thirteenth, twelfth, yeah. something like that. That would be Head, right. Heady heights, bearing in mind where we were. Oh, without well, <laughs> who would have took that in February? <laughs> um, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Well, even if there isn't a win against Villa, it's an ultimate. It's a very winnable game hmm. for a start. I mean, yeah. Let's move on seamlessly. I like Villa. Have we started talking about Aston Villa? We haven't actually talked about them yet. I mean, they look pretty shit mm. most of the time. I've seen them. The last time, well, was the last time I watched Villa. I watched the Fulham game. Mm. Um, and they did actually, first spell, they weren't too bad. Yeah. But over the course of the game, they probably should have lost. Oh, well, up front, they, they look fairly decent. They've got, you know, three or four guys who can really, really hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. They do kind of like come. They, they do have a good spell in a game, rather than a good game. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's going to be a case of you know um, keeping it tight then, and then hurting them when they get you know when they feel the need to throw absolutely everything at us. Because at some point that they're going to have to really go for it. I mean, it's, this game I think for them is their season. If they lose it. I, I, I don't think that they're gonna 
stop up, so nothing that they won't feel like they will either. No, it's it's their season's almost on the line in this one. I mean, it is. It's not, it's not mathematically, but they have to be looking at the games they can win, and yeah. much like us, we're fancying ourselves in our own games, mm. especially, and they've got to be doing the same. But mm. if we if we can keep the if we can dull them from the start, yeah. You know, if we can bore our way through twenty minutes, <laughs> which we um, like have done in uh, the like last two so like games, we haven't came like racing out and made a big start. We've just kind of like concentrated on being really, really tight, um, keeping the, the so like game tight, and and then kind of like get come like out more into it as as it as it actually goes on. I think that's the exact way we need to really do it here. Yeah, we've got it. We've got to take the sting out of it and mm. turn turn the home fans on themselves. Yeah, make them really nervy. Make them really yeah. nervy. Because their team is really, really young, isn't it? So I think mm. if we could make it re- really, really nervy, I think that they might just crack under it. Do you think... Um, I mean, you look at the, some of the players they've got and you wonder how they're in that mess, mm. really. Um, well, what would you put it down to? I mean, like you look at like Benteke's, obviously... <clears throat> Quality. Yeah. Um, Bent can't get in the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, had to let that one go. In. <laughs> uh, you know, Vyman's a good player. Yeah. Um, that, that right, uh, Lowton looks decent. A Charles decent prospect. Zogbia is always. Zogbia. Yeah, well, he'll be on holiday and at Seam Hall, won't he? At the end of <laughs> yeah. Especially if they go down. The so. do, I think that. I think that they they're usually quite good down the like sides, but the spine of the team, apart from really up front, it never fills you with any kind of like faith really. I mean, yeah. if you look at it, it's it's Blah. Um and who else plays centre back for them? Is it Clark? Baker. Baker. Baker you, you know, and then in the and then in the midfield it's Delph. Um mm. they just have that really, really like a soft centre that, you know, we've seen us have for like years, and we know how 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 it can how it can really really hurt you. But um, I I just think that the they're going to want to come down at the like sides, and that's going to be interesting because that's exactly where we want them to come. Yeah, we're going to be set up to basically let them have have them. And we're going to say you're not going to come through us, if you know what I mean. If you if you if, if, if you're going to have to come really round us, so it's going to be interesting to see if we can the same way against a team who really want to do that. Yeah, um, like I said, I think especially if like you know, okay, go down the wings. Someone who probably will have a, a big role will be and die again because he'll you know if if he's up against whether it's Delph. Westwood, Bannon, any of them, mm. he's going to absolutely dominate them. Well, it's, this is a sort. I mean, it's like it's really one thing when he goes up against someone to specifically stop them, and like he did the, the like last two games. Really, mm. uh, these are the sort of games where he needs to uh, like impose his own game onto mm-hmm. it. Um, it's going to be an inter- interesting test for him. I don't think he'll find it too hard if he wants to. If he's in the right sort of like mindset, he shouldn't find it too hard to really, really take on those like guys and just swat them aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he should be doing 
I think I fancy he will as well, to be honest. Mm. If he's especially if he's coming up coming into a confident Yeah. Um which he should be off you know, probably his best game mm. for us so far. And can't see I can't foresee too many changes. No. Um Gardner Gardner Ga- Gardner's back. I'm not really sure what I'd do with him to be fair. No. Put put him in for callback. I don't I know. I would just leave him Leave it as edge, is. Yeah. I don't see any yeah. reason to uh, uh, like change it at all. No, unless you've got some sort of tactical master plan, yeah. which you, which you may well do. But <laughs> um, there's the yeah, there's no there's no real reason to change it up. Even up front, I mean, Graham had another good game against Everton. And, he did. Um, hopefully, this is the week he breaks his duck because I think for the last two games he's definitely deserved it. What boy? What is what's your prediction for Villa? I'm gonna go for a one-one draw. One-one draw. I'm gonna go for. I can't remember what I went for in the first take, so I'm gonna go for a a two-one win. That's what you went for in the first take. Is it? Well, <laughs> then it's definitely gonna happen, then, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, two-one win. Um, two up. Late flurry, get one, not enough. That's the way it'll go, and that'll be us safe. For all intents <laughs> it would be and purposes, nice, anyway. It, it w- would be really nice just to get it done early. Mm. And then we can and just then, sit back and watch everybody else suffer the way that we thought we were going to have to like suffer. Yeah. So does that... Uh, I mean, generally, overall, to discuss the end of the season slightly, we're going to be all right. Oh, aye. And next season should be even more interesting once De Canio has put his own stamp yeah. on it. I mean, like we actually mentioned earlier, um, with like Mark, you know, we just we nobody knows the way that he's going to go. We've just got no idea what to really expect. Yeah. So it's going to be a real like adventure, I think. Yep, and he'll have you know he'll have Catamol and Fletcher back at his disposal and that mm-hmm. as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how he uses those. Very interesting. I think that we're, we're always going to see the kind of the four four one one with him. Mm-hmm. We're always going to see that. That's just his game. I'm actually thinking about having something uh, like on the site later in the week about that uh, if I find time. <laughs> Most save it for next week. I might save it for like next week and I'm not here. No, we'll get it written early and then we'll I'll pop it up on there for you. <laughs> <laughs> um Right, so there you go. Um Everything's gonna be alright. <laughs> um Question of the Week Well, several questions of the week because for this one hundredth show, you ask the questions and we'll just kindly provide our answers. So, uh, we'll start on RokerReport.com, where JL Westbay uh, asks us to either to apply one of these to each of these fellows. Um, marry friend, that's in, um, what do you call them? Comment things. Them. <laughs> 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 um, or kill. <laughs> it, it's basically fuck, marry, kill, where he's avoided uh, swearing. <laughs> Whereas we aren't. Mm. So, f- from the options, you've got the horse puncher, Pardew, and Shearer. 
Right. Friend the horse guy. Because I don't see much uh, like of me as so like mates anyway. I like ignore them all anyway. So um, I wouldn't have to see anything of him. He could just be out of my life entirely, like the rest of me mates. I would marry Alan Pardew. I've changed this from the first day. Marry him because I was thinking he's going to be pretty easy to catch having uh, like affairs. (laughs) <laughs> and then you're going to be left with all of his money. Mm. And a kill Shearer, just because. Why not? See, I'm, I'm, I'm going the opposite. I'm going with... Uh, I'm going to marry Shearer. Are you now? Yeah, because, um, you know, just seeing how much he overcompensates with his love for us on Match of the Day. <laughs> oh, God, I don't like where this is going one bit. No, it's just staying there. <laughs> People can draw their own conclusions from that. Um, I will... What, what, what? I'm going to kill Pardew. You need a friend. I'm going to kill Pardew and I'm going to friend the horse puncher. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just can't stand Pardew's... Slimy face. You see, what I noticed there is that you didn't say I would, you said I will. I will. <laughs> God damn it, I will <laughs> one day. That, that's a statement of intent for all three of them, I think. Now I've seen that horse puncher's face. <laughs> now that he's removed the scarf. There's a very good point about that on um, on the football ramble. Did you hear it? I didn't know. Right, well, basically, he's unemployed. Mm. And when he had the. And now, nobody's going to hire the horse puncher. <laughs> Really, are they? No. Um, but um, he had that. He had this scarf on, and nobody knows what he looks like. Mm. And he started giving interviews, revealing his face. <laughs> so now everybody knows who he is. Uh. He could have kind of just said, "No, I'm, I'm sorry, let's leave it at that." <laughs> but now he's kind of put his face out there, and everybody knows who the horse puncher is now. So he's just done himself absolutely no favours whatsoever. I've got to say, when he actually came out and said, I would like to apologise to the horse. I tell you I'd what, love to see him apologise. I, I just couldn't breathe. I was laughing that hard. I mean, I'd just, love to. <laughs> just to see him walk over to a field and say, look, mate, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's just never going to stop being funny, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> Punching a horse. That was the icing on a beautiful cake. I mean, that gave us so many headlines to use all of that like week. The game was good enough in itself, <laughs> and then someone punched a horse. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, we actually mentioned this. It was it's the best thing about a derby is that you know that no matter what you do to them, like on the pitch, they're just going to make themselves look total dickheads <laughs> off it as well. Exactly. Uh, um, next question comes from Warwick Hunt, who says, "If you could create a fake name, what would it be?" <laughs> yeah, um, I just as we said last time, we can create fake names. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we... no good. I, I think that I, what I would do is I would nick Nico Hulkenberg's name, just because that's a name that achieves things. I was uh, actually doing some work at work today for once, and. Um, I was thinking it's something somebody somebody's name drew my drew my attention to this and it was a it was a musician that's out there called Theophilus London <laughs> which I thought was an excellent name. 
it looks even better it. written down. I couldn't a? spell it. It's spelled um, T-H-E-O-P-H-I-L-I-U-S or something. Yeah, fuck that. I'm not writing <laughs> every time I want to write James. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that sounded like the perfect mix of like exotic and regal. <laughs> <laughs> it was excellent. <laughs> um, so I'm going to steal his name and identity. Um, on to questions from Twitter at Roker Report where Hodgy Lad that's where we started says would you rather be a dog with a human's head or a human with a dog's head yeah um, I would rather be a human with with, uh, one of the heads because it's it it wouldn't be that larger like change (laughs) it would just no one would really notice any difference I think what kind of dog would you go for? Um, I don't know enough about dogs. Something extremely hairy, I think. Uh, mm. One of them which has got uh, so much hair, the hair is over the eyes, I think would be quite a good way to live. Mm. I'm going I'm going on the same one, um, a human with a dog's head. But I want something that's a bit kind of wolfish. <laughs> Um, Any reason? Just think it would look the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like I, th- I think with with the with the kind of the head of a some sort of wolfhound, uh, you know, like a like a husky or a German shepherd or something. You've got the potential to be a, a villain, an international <laughs> supervillain. <laughs> so, and obviously that's um, one of my life's goals. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Which is actually why you've actually started this whole site, isn't it? This is just your evil front. <laughs> it is. <laughs> this is my daily planet. <laughs> um, what else we got? Uh, Red and White Forever says, anyone know where and get some high-res celebration pics from the Derby? Yes, most places on the internet. We have them, but we can't share. We've got them. We- um, exactly. Uh, Ridders86. In the summer, what players do you think Tacanio will bring in? Haven't the Scoobies. Nope. As we discussed with uh, <laughs> Mark earlier, yeah. Ian got a clue. Absol- your guess, Ridders, you pick a player. It's as good a guess as anybody else. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> has the foggiest idea. That's what makes it so much fun. I fancy him, though, to spend big on someone. Mm, I'm not sure if it's his style. I think that he'll. I think I think he will. I think he'll he'll want to. I don't know. Make a make statement. A yeah. Mm. Not necessarily going to sign low. You know, we're not exactly going to be the Galacticos or anything like that. And I'm not saying I don't think it possibly will be even ten million plus. It might be about six, eight, something like that. There's someone coming in. I think he's going to get. He's going to be allowed his one big for keeping us up. Mm. I think Ellis will say, all right, you can have him. (laughs) (laughs) A short short two tips, £1,800. Exactly, if you can throw that around. (laughs) Mind you, that is, um, I think, a trait of owners. Mm. I I remember being on the piss with uh, some some owners of Sunderland once and uh, didn't have to pay for very much that night. (laughs) 
So, <laughs> not going to say which ones. <laughs> they were local and divided opinion, let's say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Big Frost 5 says, funniest moments doing the podcast. Too many to me. Oh, so many memories. So, so many. There was the one where you couldn't recall, like, O'Neill's name. Yep. And that, that was only about three weeks after he joins, and he couldn't... It was the talk of the whole, like, world, and you couldn't remember his name. And me and Dave just let you suffer. We didn't help. That, that was yep. good fun. Thanks, lads. <laughs> <laughs> yep, um... I particularly enjoyed you arguing with Chris that time for about two and a half years. It wasn't an argument. It was, an, it, I, I just, I just, I just, I just taught him. I just taught him to stop. Schooled him. I schooled him. I, I really did. There was Dan and his constant plague. That was always fun. Yeah, Dan was constantly ill. Um, but, you know, these things happen. You know, you've got to take the, accept these risks when you move to somewhere like France. <laughs> I think um, I'm, I'm fairly sure that he's still ill now. It wouldn't surprise uh, us. Um, let us know if you're all right, Dan. We just assume you've got a cold and <laughs> <laughs> Um There was the, maybe Chris like arguing with his entire household every single week. Yes, that was really good. Um, especially since most of the conversations were on air. <laughs> it seemed either didn't move too far away from his microphone or just didn't turn it off or anything <laughs> like that. So there was a constant debate about yeah. people playing guitars or FIFA or driving motorbikes. <laughs> like that. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a nice house to live in, if you ask me. I think he said once that he was sharing with, like, nine other people or something. Yeah, students, man, students. Yes, yeah, I'd want to kill myself, mm. even if I was a student. Credit to him <laughs> for not, but... <laughs> Hang on, how, how do we know that he hasn't killed a one of them, though? Chris, to me, has always struck me as the murdering type. I think he's, really? Yeah, I think he's got that, like, that, like part of him, which I, I, I think, sooner or later, he's going to snap... And he's gonna kill someone. No, I don't think so. Oh, come on, man! You can hear it in his voice. Mm, I, I don't. Not intentionally. Mm, I'm just talking in like in the like fits of absolute fury. Mm. Well, it'll happen. Be on the lookout. It'll happen. I'm just hoping <laughs> that it's not me because um, I'm the type who makes people want to uh, actually kill. Maybe it's next time you just see. Um let him win that argument. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 what about Dave when he's, when Dave's trying to get angry but he just can't because he's too nice. Uh, He is good when he gets, when he has had some moments, uh, I think it was towards the the dying embers of the Bruce stage was the last time he was really angry. A fury pee. Yeah. Which, I just have to stress, didn't happen on air. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's still not as furious as punching a horse, either. No, it's not. Ah, um, so many good times. So many good which times. Lots good, of good times. Yeah, which it's going to make our news later a little bit more... <laughs> a little bit more sad, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> um, Sammy Surtees asks about Paolo de Canio's ill-fitting suits. Um, that is something we've, we've, we've taken note of and we'll be keeping an eye on it. Mm. Um, short trouser favouring hmm. um, 
And Jamie Smith rounds things off with, do you think Paolo's Italian influence will lead to inspired facial hair, a la Andre Piolo? Which player would suit it the best? The answer to this is always Seb Larson. I just think that Seb Larson has an awesome Thor thing. Um, like if he did, if he did have that look, the beard look, he just he would just look like Thor. Uh, not sexy Olaf Melberg. Not sexy Olaf Melberg. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's a thing. I think no, that's, is it not? I think, that, I think that. <laughs> I think that's just words. To be honest with you. <laughs> um, I think. Well, we decided. Before really the the obvious answer is Carlos Queller because hmm. I mean yes Seb Larson but any time the question is blah 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 look good Seb Larson Seb Larson <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know it, he's always going to look good unfortunately he's that person <laughs> um he would look good with a dog's head. That's he probably the kind would of be a really is. sexy dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's just unfortunately cornered the market in looks. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Carlos Queller, if he sorts that beard out a bit more. Um, the uh, there's not really that many other suggestions, really, is there? No, I was. I mean, just remarkably ugly, really. The, 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 yeah, I mean, someone like David Vaughan would just look even more mental. Yeah. What about a Phil Bardsley? Because his face is quite round. But uh, I think he suits the the look he's got. Well, I wouldn't say that he. Yeah, I think he could do a massive uh, like beard. I'd like more to beards. see. I would like to see it. More beards. I think. Yeah. More beards. Yeah, instead of this, uh, obviously this Movember's a thing, but there should be a beard one. <laughs> yeah, I'll get all the players growing a beard. Mm. So yeah, there we go. That's that. Questions? Thank you for all your contributions. Might as well get to the big news, eh? Mm. The big, big news, uh, which we kind of teased earlier, and you might be able to guess by just our general tone, <laughs> is that not only is this celebratory 100th podcast. It's also, a, it's also touched with sadness um, because it's also going to be our final podcast. Mm. In, its, in its current form. In its current form, yes. Um, basically, you know, what's happened is the, the previously described technical problems happen far, far too often. I'm, I'm kind of sick of getting up at half four, five o'clock on a on a Wednesday, doing some shit, going to work, coming back, <laughs> doing some more. Sometimes even rolling it over into Thursday morning a couple of hours before it actually goes live. <laughs> um it's and it's just not it's just not happening anymore. But it's not the end. Whilst it's the final uh, incarnation of the Rooker Report podcast mm. things are taking an upturn of sorts. Um, some of you might be well aware already. If you're not, I suggest you get aware. Oh, we'll make them uh, aware. We'll make them aware. Oh, we will, yeah. <laughs> uh, we are kind of in a in a what started off as um, a, a podcast from another Sunland, great Sunland website, Salute Sunland. Um, 
with with their podcast called Wise Men Say, um, much like us, you know, just started it up. Um, they have superior quality <laughs> sound and everything on that front, basically. Um, so rather than have our our one and have their one, why not create some sort of ultimate voice of the fans in the podcast arena? Um, so we're kind of piggybacking into them a bit. Mm. Um, so they've got their podcast, Wise Men Say. You should look it up, and uh, which you all should know because I've actually been on it. So. You've already been on it. Yeah, like our writers will be on there. Yes, um, in, in, they're giving us a little corner of the podcast to air our views and things like that. Uh, so you'll, you'll still get to hear from us on a semi-regular basis. Yep. It's a merger. It's a merger of sorts, yeah. Um, admittedly, they're getting a bit more of it. <laughs> it's not exactly 50-50, but we're going to... But they're, 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 but they're doing more of the work, to be fair. They're, so. doing, more of the, they're doing more of the work. We're doing a lot of promotion. Mm. We're, we're lending our support to them fully mm. as the kind of... the view of Sunderland. The alternative view of yeah. something. We're just like handing them the torch. The handing them the podcast torch. Yeah, it, you know, it, in in the real areas of podcasts, we've done our hundred. <laughs> it's it's your turn now. <laughs> maybe it's after, after maybe it's after an extended break. We'll be happy to bring this back. Um, yeah. But, but and, yeah, we're gonna. You know, when we start to actually win leagues and, and cups and things, you know, uh, that's when we can be asked again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's all—it's all been—it's been quite an experience doing the podcast. Uh, we've had some really, really good times, um, and things are still going to be good with this one. I guarantee you, it's a really good—it's—it's it's still it's still fresh, still new. They've only done what about five or six? Uh, I think this week's next week's is number eight. Right. I think. Um, yeah. It's about that anyway. Still single figures. But it's it's a good listen, so and we'll um, do our best to make it even like a uh, better for them. Yeah, we're gonna be a hundred percent back in them. You'll find out on RokerReport.com when there's a new episode. Um, we'll find you'll find plenty of links on how to listen to it and things like that. Um, I believe you can follow them on Twitter as well um, at Wise Men Say in 1973. Yeah, and like um, I say we'll be on it as well. So you know, and and yeah, exactly. So. You don't get to miss out on the likes of me and me and him. <laughs> um, Although this may be the final time they were on the same one. It could be, yeah. Uh, we won't be. Well, it seems unlikely we'll be on at the same time. But um, or everybody from RokerReport.com will be on on their podcast at some stage. Um, well, our podcast, should I say? <laughs> you know, we're getting a bit of it. Yeah. Getting a, we'll get a little slice of the pie. Mm. Um, you know, two two podcasts become one, and make it even better for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's all about it's all about the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely not about 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 us and our egos or anything, <laughs> or, or our work shy attitude. <laughs> No, it's definitely not about that. Hey, after 100 episodes, no one can say that we haven't put in our shift. Yeah, we've, we've done it. We've, I think we did, overall, we did good. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a, it was a hell of a lot of work. <laughs> More than people realise. It is. It is. It, it really is. There's a lot of early mornings in, when you've got a full-time job as well. <laughs> you know, if 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 I had the option to, you know, record this at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning, we'd have it out by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, you have to put food on the table. Um, so, yeah, um, you have to thank everybody that's been on, obviously. Um, just starts with you and Dave and Chris and Dan who was on for a bit um, Luke obviously the, the pun master <laughs> Craig and Carl never made it unfortunately so you'll just never get to find out if they actually exist or not <laughs> <laughs> especially Carl Craig's newish yeah Carl didn't really have an excuse. No. I think he was terrified we'd take the piss out of his Welsh accent. To be fair, we would have. We would have, well, yeah. we would have absolutely like, destroyed him over it. Yeah, so if you're wondering how that works out, we just take the piss out of him for being Welsh. Yeah, but, you know, it's not a, a, a like anti-Welsh thing. We take the piss out of each other for everything. Oh. You know, I mean, Dan for being Dan. Chris for being... Murderous tendencies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no one's safe, are they really? Yeah. Um, so that's it. And obviously, the guests, the two guests we ever had, which were Mark <laughs> today and uh, Gary Al Smith when Asamoah Jean left, who had some strong words for him. Mm. That was a good one. That as was well. a good one. Um. Oh, that was a funny thing from the podcast. A greedy bastard. Funny. <laughs> that, well, not just that. When he was he was really giving it to some to Asimovian, but one of the funny things, it wasn't really a moment on the podcast, but we had four or five people get in touch who didn't know who Gary was, mm. and say, "I thought the fake African accent was a little." <laughs> it was like, no, this is a real person. He's like proper, well known, very very good journalist on yeah. all things African football from Ghana as well <laughs> <laughs> so and when we said that it was like yeah whatever look here's his Twitter account follow him <laughs> In, and he had the sense of humour to laugh it off as well so um, and anyway good you. times so good many time. good times so lots of good thank times thank you to everyone for like listening Yep, that's where we were headed next. The listeners, obviously, wasn't much point in doing it without you guys. Um, so, if you've downloaded once, or there must be someone somewhere that listened to all a hundred. <laughs> you, I think. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> Can't be just me. <laughs> Please let there be someone else <laughs> in the 100 club. Um, well, I suppose I have really because I've, 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 I haven't listened to the ones that I've been on, but I listened to them by virtue of being here, and I've listened to the ones that I wasn't on. So there you go. Enough. <clears throat> um, yeah. So there you go. Thank you for listening, every single one of you. And and that's a wrap. Mm. The ultimate wrap. Yeah, you don't really know. I don't really know how to end it when there's not going to be another one, other than. <laughs> Get get all, get all over wise men say. Yeah, we'll see you there, and we'll see you there. We're be on it. That'll be as of next week. So, you know, get following. We'll give you all the links and all the information you need yeah. on rockerreport.com. 
Um, where we'll also have, prob- you know, a lot more written stuff now. We don't have to spend three nights a week doing this. Yeah, I mean, that's basically... The writing was always our, uh, like, forte. Well, yeah, it, it was, was always the priority. A raison d'etre. So, you know. Um, yeah, so thank you to everybody. Um, goodbye on behalf of everyone that's not here. Uh, goodbye from you, is it? Yes, goodbye from me, but I'll speak to you again, because I'm sure that you'll be heading over as I am. So, goodbye. Yep. See you next time. Yep, we'll um, we'll see you all on Wise Men Save. So, goodbye from RuckerReport.com. Have you ever seen a one-trick pony and feel so happy and free? If you've ever seen a one-trick pony, then you've seen me. Have you ever seen a one-legged dog making his way down the street? If you've ever seen a one-legged dog, then you've seen me. Then you've seen me. Come and stand at every door And you've seen me Always leave with less than I had before And you've seen me But I can make you smile When the blood it hits the floor Tell me friend Can you ask for anything more Tell me can you ask for anything more Scarecrow filled with nothing but dust and weeds. If you ever seen that scarecrow, then you've seen me. If you ever seen a one-armed man punching at nothing but the breeze? If you ever seen a one-armed man, then you've seen me. Then you've seen me. I come and stand at every door. You've seen me always leave with less than I had before And you've seen me, but I can make you smile when the blood it hits the floor Tell me friend, can you ask for anything more? Tell me can you ask for anything more? These things that have comforted me, I drive away This place that is my home, I cannot stay My only faith's in the broken bones and bruises I display Have you ever seen a one-legged man trying to dance his way free? Have you ever seen a one-legged man, then you've seen me? 